Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off, and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Again today, I'm teaching on the subject of observing all things, and this is a, a continuation of my teaching that I did on discipleship that if we're going to truly be a disciple instead of just a convert, then we need to learn and we need to let the truth set us free. And I'm, there's a number of things in our society today that are undermining the authority of the Word of God, but I don't think any of them undermine it as much as the evolutionary teaching. Because evolution is completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. I know that there's some Christians that believe, oh no, evolution took place over millions of years, but it was just orchestrated by God. Instead of it being a, uh, you know, a non-theistic evolution, there are some people who try and believe in a theistic evolution, but that does not match what the Bible says. I spent a week teaching from scriptures that shows you that sin came as a result of death. And yet the evolutionary model says that death had to exist in this cycle of, of living and dying and then evolving and mutating into another species that existed for millions of years before Adam and Eve came along. That's inconsistent with the Bible. And so anyway, we taught a lot of these things. On our program yesterday, I used Dr. Carl Ball and we were talking about what he calls the wall of truth. These, all of these sedimentary deposits that scientists say took 550 million years to deposit, they were all done during the flood. And you can show that by these plumes, these plants, trees that grow through hundreds of millions of years worth of labor, uh, layers. That couldn't have happened. There are these tools that are in there, cups and things like this that are in these layers that, you know, mankind wasn't supposed to come along until 100 million years later. So we dealt with that stuff yesterday. I would like to add to that Dr. Grady McMurtry today. And I talked to him and he has literal photos and uh, pictures from Mount St. Helens. And the way that the ash and the things were deposited, you can see these very distinct layers. And I think it's either 70 or 80 feet worth of layers that were deposited during the Mount St. Helens eruption in 1980 and yet it fits these columns that the evolutionists talk about as being millions and millions of years to deposit this. And yet we know we were there. We saw Mount St. Helens and it did all of these deposits and deposited all of these layers. Uh, you know, and it just shows you that the evolutionary model where they say that it took millions and millions of years for these things to be deposited it's incorrect. It was all deposited in a very short period of time during Mount St. Helens eruption. And of course, the worldwide flood of Noah could have easily had deposited these, uh, all of these layers and stuff. And it explains this stuff without the millions and millions of years that the uh, scientists have read into this. So I want to go back to got Dr. Grady McMurtry. This is an interview that I did with him. I think it was in 2012. 
And uh, I want to play that and show you some of these things. And I want to encourage you at the end of our program today, we're going to be offering all of these materials that will cover this information. You can also get these exact programs that you've been watching. You can see a TV version of them and it would be a real blessing to you. So watch this and then get the materials at the end of the program today. One thing I want you to address is they say that it took uh, at least millions or whatever years to erode for the Colorado River to erode the Grand Canyon. How do you answer this? What's the answer? Well, first of all, I, I think that we were looking at the sedimentary rock layers. And remember, sedimentary rock is just layers of dried out mud. Mm -hmm. Now, I would like to go to Mount St. Helens, 1980, and then show how this shows us how the Grand Canyon was formed quickly. Okay. Now, this is a 75-foot high cliff, and this is a fully adult young lady down here. That's not a child. She's a young lady. <laughs> but you see here three zones. There's one here, one here, one there. Mm -hmm. These zones are each approximately 25-foot deep. Now, if you were an evolutionist and you believe that material did come into existence at the rate of uh, one inch every 1,000 to 10,000 years by the erosion of prior rock material, uh, you would say this represents one million years of Earth history. The fact is that we have eyewitness documentation, photographic evidence to prove everything in the photograph, with the exception of the young lady, came into existence in less than three days. The bottom layer, 25 foot, occurred in nine hours on May the 18th of 1980. During the initial nine hour first eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980, laid down 25 foot of ash wow. in nine hours. The second set of what are called highly striated, or many, many layers here, mm -hmm. uh, that was only in five hours. Wow. And the top layer formed in less than 24. There's three different events during the time of, of the eruptions in 1980 to 1982. But these three layers came into existence in less than 24-hour days. This yet, shows you that geological features come into existence in nature rapidly. But if an evolutionist was to walk on this a thousand years from now in the future, they would look they at this. They might well say this is a million years of Earth and history. And yet we have, we have explanation and proof that it we was We can prove it. It's very, very rapid. And 75 foot of material. Nine hours, five hours, that's only 14. That's less than 24. So in less than 38 hours total, you have 75 foot of material. That's awesome. And again, I assume that the evolutionists don't uh, show this. They don't like to. <laughs> they don't talk about this <laughs> They don't much. talk about it. They hide it. Now, this is a photograph of the Grand Canyon of northern Arizona. It's something that you were very interested in and something very near and dear to all of us creation scientists. Now, here you see these beautiful colored layers. Now, the Grand Canyon at its deepest point is 1.2 miles deep. It is from an eighth of a mile to 18 miles wide. It's 277 miles long. It's a big empty hole in the ground. Mm -hmm. However, you'll notice in this photograph, you can see barely right there is a little piece of the Colorado River. Uh -huh. And right there, you can see a little piece of the Colorado River. Now, of course, evolutionists want you to believe that all these layers came about slowly and gradually over 500 million supposed years of human history or time, Earth time. And they want you to believe that that river cut that canyon slowly and gradually. Now, there's a couple of problems with that, of course. Um, First of all, you take a look at the size of the river, you realize it couldn't do it. You know, just think about it for a second. But there's something else that's very, very important about it as well. Now I'm going to go back to Mount St. Helens for a moment to make an illustration. This is a canyon at Mount St. Helens. This is a uh, creation science colleague of mine. This canyon is 125 foot deep. It was cut in one day. Wow. 
Now, and how's that about water? Actually, mud flow, but that's a form of water flow. But uh -huh. you know, it's a mud flow. That's when that uh, lake that was there, I guess. No, this was subsequent to that. Uh, okay. No, no, this is not during the initial okay, eruption. This so was actually flow. later. This was a subsequent eruption. But what I want to do is I want to go up on top to the edge there, and then I'm going to go way over that away, <laughs> okay? okay, and take a picture. Here in this photograph, that is the same canyon you just saw. Now, first of all, you notice the land here looks quite flat. Now, mm -hmm. I know there's mountains in the area because this is the southwest corner of Washington State. Uh, but you'll notice the land itself in this area looks rather flat, agreed? Mm -hmm. But you see how the canyons drop straight down, correct? Now, I'm going to take the camera from right here and just zoom, tell, just, you know, telephoto zoom lens into the same canyon right here. Okay. Now, you'll notice that in this photograph, you can see the same three layers I was just showing you with the young lady, correct? Uh -huh. And this is the canyon that was dug in one day, 125 foot deep, exposing these layers to make them so easy to see. We saw a canyon here, 1 40th the size of the Grand Canyon, form in a matter of weeks. So you multiply that times 40 and you could form the Grand Canyon in less than a year. Exactly. And the Grand Canyon was cut in less than a year. Now, let's go over to this canyon over here. It's called Engineer's Canyon. But again, you can see the exposed same layers here in the shadow. But you notice the canyon has two straight sidewalls and a flat bottom. And you see a little bit of water going down the middle there. Mm -hmm. Now, without me even have said anything about the mud flow cutting this particular portion here, you look at that photograph and you know that water didn't cut that canyon. Because if that water had cut that canyon slowly, gradually, you'd have a V-shaped canyon. This is a square-shaped canyon. Now, square-shaped canyons means that they're cut fast. And then you have to ask yourself this question. Is the canyon there because of the water, or is the water there because of the canyon? That's a good question. And it is very obvious. Once the mud flow cut the canyon very rapidly with straight sidewalls and then stopped because it's a very rapid event that stops, then there was a place for the water to go through. Mm -hmm. Take that analogy and go back to the Grand Canyon. Now, this is a satellite photograph taken from 23,000 miles above the surface of northern Arizona. This is a false color photograph. So the colors you see here are not correct, okay? Now, first of all, the squiggle that you see starting up in the upper right-hand corner going south here, turning, going basically west, and then turning south again here. That's the Colorado River. So the Colorado River comes south off the Colorado Plateau here turns at East Point, the east wall of the Grand Canyon, basically flows west through the canyon, then turns again and goes south here to the Baja. Now, I don't mean to be silly or redundant, but it's important to say this. In order for the water to flow through the canyon, the canyon must get lower and lower. Agreed? Mm -hmm. Water flows downhill. Mm -hmm. However, if you'll notice this rather rusty color here, magenta, whatever you want to call that, yeah. I'm not quite sure your choice, it isn't that color. That's actually green. That's the Kaibab National Forest. That's a scrub forest that grows on a ridge that goes north and south here through northern Arizona. And so the trees show you the ridge. Now this is a scrub forest as the, as the water comes in off the Pacific, comes over the coastal range and the Sierras, it rings out a lot of moisture. It comes down over the high valley or over the high uh, desert of the areas near Las Vegas. But when it hits this ridge, it has to bounce up. And when it does, it drops just enough water to keep a scrub forest growing here. Mm -hmm. 
So let's think. Now, wait a minute. The water has to, to flow through here, and the bottom must get lower and lower, but this is a ridge. Well, does that mean that water flows downhill, then uphill, then downhill? I don't think so. So you're saying that if this river would have cut this whole thing, what, how did it ever get over this ridge? Right. So let's think about this and take the Bible seriously. Let's think about another explanation. Now, I had mentioned to you previously about Psalm 104, verses 5 through 9, being a chronology of the flood of Noah. Mm -hmm. It says, verse 5 and 6, God sent a complete total flood of the entire earth. The water is seen above the mountains. But as I explained, these mountains are 5,000 feet high or less, capable of being covered with one mile of water. Those mountains are eroded away and deposited as wet mud layers, which are the sedimentary rock layers that we see on the surface of the earth today. Mm -hmm. And that during that time of Noah's flood, this is just a big sandbar. It's a mud bank laid down by the flood of Noah. So, now the Bible says, again in Psalm 104, verse 7, that after the earth is covered with water, after the mountains that existed prior to the flood are eroded, they're deposited as wet mud layers, and this is just a, a sandbar mud bank laid down. It says, then the waters go away. But in verse 8 it says, Then the mountains rose up, and the valleys sank down to the place you established for them. In verse 9 he promises he'll never again flood the entire earth with water. Mm -hmm. Think with me. This is northern Arizona. Now Colorado is up over there. After the waters go away, the Colorado Rockies are rising rapidly out of the ground. Now these are wet mud layers. And they're rising out of the ground very rapidly. That's verse 8. Now, that means that the, the water in those wet mud layers is going to come out the ends of the layers. Now, if they go to the east and go towards the Gulf of Mexico, no problem. But if those are on the west side and the water is coming out and flowing towards the Pacific, but here it comes up against an earthen dam. This is a ridge laid down by the flood of Noah. Mm -hmm. Well, what's going to happen? This is an earthen dam, so that water is going to pool up behind this earthen dam. And the reason that the Grand Canyon is 1.2 miles deep when you look down into it is because you're standing on top of a ridge. People tend to think for some strange reason that when they see the Grand Canyon, because it's so big, they can't really see it all, you know, from one place. They tend to think that it's a canyon that's been cut into a plateau this way. But it's not. It's a square hole through a ridge. And what happens is the water comes in at 2,800 feet of elevation flows through this ridge and comes back out, having dropped a thousand feet in the process. So this is one of the books that we sell by Dr. Walter Brown in the beginning, Great Encyclopedia of Creation Science Materials. But this map comes from that book. Here's the Grand Canyon that exists today. Here's a ridge going north and south here. Mm -hmm. These are two great lakes that formed up behind that earthen dam as water is draining from the Colorado Rockies, so as those layers are being elevated, at one time these waters covered 30,000 square miles. My. And then tra probably triggered by an earthquake. Now it could have been pressure, but it's much more likely triggered by an earthquake because there's still earthquakes in the air. This earthen dam was breached, and those waters flowed through there and cut that canyon in a matter of months. Same thing is true of the gorge of the Yellowstone uh, in Yellowstone National mm -hmm. Park. You can see rapid cutting. The same thing is true of Niagara Falls. We can see and prove that the whole gorge of the Niagara was cut in only a matter of about 4,000, 5,000 years. 
Here we see, again, rapid erosion, where these two Great Lakes punch through that ridge. Now, the basic scenario is the two Great Lakes, earthen dam, it's breached. But you can see this. You'll know that I'm not making this up. Now, this is a satellite photograph taken during the winter. The white that you see here is snow. Now, in this particular case, north is at the bottom. I know that's upside down, but north mm -hmm. is at the bottom. And so the white, the snow on the ridge, helps you to outline where the ridge itself is between these two red lines. Now, the Colorado River is flowing south here along the ridge. But you can see that it actually turns and goes through the ridge here, and then turns there and goes to the Baja down that way. Mm -hmm. And you can see the Grand Canyon is simply the result of a whole lot of water and a little bit of time, yep. and not the result of a little bit of water and a whole lot of time. Well, you know, out here just about 30 miles from where we are right now at Guthy, Colorado, it's just a wide place in the road. They had a flood in 1999, yep. which I was here, and I remember on the... Uh, news, them showing a road that was washed out, and I mean there was uh, rock, granite rock, and in one hour's time or so, this flood came through and cut a hole that was 20 feet or more deep. Yeah, it was deeper than that, and it literally just gorged us. So are stuff. you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yes, and the process is called cavitation. But the faster water moves, the bigger the things it can move. Okay. But it was amazing that you could cut a gorge like that in just a very short period of time with a very small amount of water, really. If you're talking about something like what you're describing with these two great lakes, it would be um, totally understandable how this happened. That's just massive amounts of water moving very fast yep. all at one time can do a tremendous amount of work. And down in southwest Georgia, there was a, a dam that broke and, again, made a mini Grand Canyon in literally a matter of a week. Well, I had a uh, lake that I built on my property that was only about eight feet tall. Mm -hmm. And I, it was raining, and I was standing down there, and the Lord told me to move, and I moved, <laughs> and I saw the dam break. Uh -huh. And this water come, and it knocked trees over, and it cut a gorge mm -hmm. that was two or three feet deep in just seconds. And that's exactly what happens here. Uh, I even saw it at a retaining pond at a nuclear power plant in Florida when I flew over with it at Cessna. I was flying over. They'd had a breach in just the retaining wall of their, their cooling pond. And it had just cut straight down like that. Mm -hmm. and, and think about it. When they take um, the steel gasoline tanks out of the ground uh, to put in the fiberglass tanks, what do they cut the steel tanks apart with? They can't use a torch because it would explode, so they use water. They actually use water jets to literally cut steel. Well, if you can cut a steel hmm. tank with a moving jet of water, imagine what you can do with millions and millions and millions of gallons of water, especially the higher it is, the greater the p pressure. But you can cut a Grand Canyon in a matter of weeks or at most months. And that's, that's much awesome. more consistent with the physical evidence than the evolutionary story. Generally speaking, if I can get in front of somebody, they're very interested in the materials. Now, they will not always agree, but they have to admit that it is convincing, that it's scientific, that it's not you know, just something I've made up in fiction, and it's not just something quoting the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Now, the Bible is sufficient, as you and I both agree. If you simply believe the Bible, that's sufficient. I agree. But the world is asking good questions, and if we can't answer the good questions the world is asking, then we've got no reason to pay any attention to us at all, right? So we have a DVD on dinosaurs in the Bible. They're mentioned 11 times in the Bible, but they're also mentioned in reliable human history until 1883. Mm -hmm. 
And so we go through that in another DVD and so forth. So we've got good answers to, uh, well, human evolution. I've got one on the road to man and showing how there's absolutely no truth to human evolution from apes and that we are not even genetically related. You know the story that evolutionists have been promoting, the liberal press has been talking about, that we are only 1% different genetically, is simply a flat-out lie. We aren't even close to related to apes, genetically oh, really? speaking. Well, now, see, this is something that I've heard that I've never heard anybody tell. Oh, it's simply it. not true. First of all, when they make these silly statements, they're only using 2.7% of the information to make the claim. They're leaving out 97.3% of all the information. So they take a small segment where we do have similarities. Well, and where, they can, where they can say supposedly we have similarity. Uh -huh. Now, would you make a rational decision knowing that you had left out 97.3% of the information? No, sir. Okay. So evolution's <laughs> irrational, as I said earlier. It is. And of the 2.7% that they will then use to make these silly claims, we're only 83% the same as chimpanzees. But you're 88% the same as a rat, and 60% the same as a banana, and 70% the same as a sea squirt, and 88% the same, I'm sorry, a sea sponge, 88% the same as a sea squirt. And they uh, failed to point that out. And they failed to point that out. Now, if you're 88% the same as a rat, and 88% the same as a sea squirt, based on that argument, which is fallacious anyway, but you're only 83% the same as a chimpanzee, who are you closer to? <laughs> you know, if you want to make a stupid argument yeah. like that. Uh -huh. The fact of the matter is, of I course... I think some evolutionists are kind of related. <laughs> That's probably not a nice thing I, to say, I won't go there. it's not intelligent. But the fact of the matter is that, of course, certain things are required to have a living organism. Mm -hmm. If you're 50% the same as a banana, which is a plant, it tells you there are certain things that are necessary for life that we all have to have. But the differentiation comes in the other information, right? Yeah. And so, you know, this whole concept that we're only 1% different is absolute flat-out lie. Mm -hmm. Well, this is excellent information. And again, I just want to encourage all of our viewers that what we've done is just scratch the surface. You know, this DVD that I watched on the Waters Cleave, there was a lot more information and things on there than what we were able to discuss this week. And then sure. I looked on his website, and I bet you there's at least 50 different subjects. I'm not sure oh, yes. how many. Oh, yes. And, and, and we have books for all ages, and we have general books and specific topics and, as well. And we need this verification. And I'm just unable to give you the scientific things. I can teach you from the Word of God, and that's convincing for me. But uh, we need to be able to arm ourselves with this information so that we can refute the claims of people who are saying that this is a proven fact that evolution is true and that all of these things are true, and it is not a proven fact. So I want to thank you, Grady, for doing this. Uh, it's pleasure. really been good. And I believe that there's people watching this program who have been confronted with the truth. Hopefully they'll study it out further and that, praise God, they'll come around to recognize that this it didn't happen by chance that we have a God who loves us and created this and he thought it all through. It is intelligent design, creationism. On today's program, Andrew interviewed Dr. Grady McMurtry. For more information about Dr. McMurtry and his ministry, go to creationworldview.org. Throughout this series, Andrew mentions many statistics and scriptures with regard to creation versus evolution. These references, as well as others pertaining to abortion and homosexuality, have been compiled in the Observing All Things booklet, which is Andrew's free gift to you today when you write or call. 
Andrew's complete teaching titled Observing All Things is available in either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. This July 4th, join us for a rousing musical tale of heroism, hope, and sacrifice. Experience the key events of American history through the eyes of a single family. Coming soon with free admission to Karis Bible College, Colorado. In God We Trust, a fight for freedom. I want to let you know about something that very few people realize we're doing, but we are big on discipleship. And we have a program that we call DEMO. It stands for Discipleship Evangelism Missional Outreach. We are using this all around the world, but we are focusing primarily on three nations in Africa right now. And we literally have hundreds of thousands of people per week that go through this discipleship program And we aren't just giving people a fish, but we are teaching them to fish. We are training them on how to raise their own crops, how to deal with purified water. It's just a program that's reaching a lot of people. There's a lot more information about it than what I'm able to give you here. Go check it out, our demo ministry. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you are created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? We are not afraid of anything that you can do. God is able to deliver us. Even if He doesn't save us, if He chooses to let us die, we will say, Elohim, Adonai, He is God. 
I want to encourage you to check out a brand new program that we created at Gospel Truth TV. This is an original program with Tony Dungy and James Brown. They're both at the top of their game. Tony is an award-winning, Super Bowl-winning coach. Uh, James Brown is uh, at the top of his game announcing sports things. I mean, they are awesome men. They do an interview on Beyond the Game with JB and Tony is what we've entitled it. And they interview these sports figures and share things with you that usually get cut out on the secular networks. These sports figures are gonna share their heart with you about their relationship with the Lord, and I tell you, it'll be a blessing. So check it out, 9.30 a.m., 9.30 p.m., twice a day on Sundays on gospeltruth.tv.